Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Today's episode, we're going to talk about how older millennials are on track to retire more comfortably than late boomers, and also why AI shouldn't be something that you just push to the side. Enjoy. Welcome to the Age of Jeremy. My name is Jeremy Quintanilla. I will be your host. As always, I'm the founder and CEO of Q Consolidated Limited. We focus on investing and creating businesses in media and entertainment, finance, investing, and insurance, education and e-learning, art, music, and the humanities, earth and human sustainability and advancement, and earth and space exploration and transportation. Our current businesses include 3T Warrior Academy, Q Financial, Age of Radio, and Merlin. To name a few, you can find me on all socials at Age of Jeremy, except on X, it's at Age of Jeremy Q. And on Facebook, it is Cesar Jeremy Quintanilla, because I needed to change it to match my driver's license for the blue check mark. You can also follow me on YouTube at Age of Jeremy, where these podcasts are also released if you want to listen to them on YouTube. They just come out a week later on there. So like this one won't come out this Thursday. It will come out the following Thursday. So I guess maybe a little longer than a week, I suppose. Um, um, and there's also videos. I just released a, a last week, not last Friday, but the Friday before I released a video talking about the um, death on Gokumon Island, uh, which is a great book that I recommend that you check out and go look at my review on the uh, YouTube channel as well. There are links to all of this in the episode description. So have at it. If you are new to this podcast, this is all the trials and tribulations I go through to build my business empire. And I hope you pick up some wisdom along the way. Throughout the year, I'll sprinkle in some of the lo-fi episodes as with really just me kind of rambling about pop culture and the things that are going on in my life. And then I'm starting to do entrepreneur interviews again or creator interviews. I just did Betty Nugs. You can check her out at Instagram at Betty Nugs underscore. And if you're looking to get a tattoo in the Phoenix area, check out Coven. I want to learn about 
all the entrepreneurs that I can, all the content creators that I can, and talk to them about the trials and tribulations and adventures that they've gone through to become entrepreneurs. If you want to see Coach JV's financial blueprint, there's a link in my link tree description in the episode description. It is a warrior's guide to financial freedom, and it is absolutely free. Please also join my Q Consolidated channel and my Age of Jeremy Instagram account, provide extra insight on all the things that I have going on in business and in my life. Hopefully you will find some wisdom in it. It is free to join. Last but not least, check out ageradio.com to see all of our amazing podcasts. We are adding more now, and I'm super excited. We've added Killer Lashes, which focuses on female serial killers. That's Killer Lashes, and we just added OK Boomer. Um, in OK Boomer, every episode of OK Boomer, the host hits on a virtual spinner rack and looks at comic books from the golden, silver, bronze, and copper age of comics. Uh, they go cover to cover telling the audience their thoughts on the overall book, including but not limited to storytelling art and panel layout. They start every episode with the pre-show talking about anything new that might have gotten into the week, and we they feature crowdfunding campaigns for comics and horror games. So make sure that you check out OK Boomer. You can, there are, let's see, I'm looking at how many episodes they've released so far. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven episodes launched to get that going up on the algorithm in the podcast algorithm. So you can check that out on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to check out OK Boomer and Killer Lashes, two brand new episodes, two brand new podcasts to the age of radio. I'm going to say Pantheon or age of radio verse, I guess would probably be better. Also check out our Addicted Podcasting Facebook page. Join us for our text episodes. They come out every Thursday. You can be part of the conversation and we will also be doing more lives in that Facebook group here coming up. But we are creating better and better culture because everything is about culture, which is something that I will talk about eventually because culture is super, super important and it's so important that when you're trying to build culture in a business, you do the repetitive, consistent things over and over and over. So, Let's get started in today's episode talking about millennials. Uh, I think this is really important one because I'm a millennial and I'm an older millennial. So millennials are anybody from 70, 71, 37 to 41. And I am 40. I just turned 40 in October. Make sure to um, like and subscribe to this podcast because on Saturday I have a new lo-fi coming out where I'm kind of listening. Well, not listening. I'm kind of playing what is the game of Super Mario Brothers Wonder? And I'm just ranting about stuff, turning 40. Uh, all the books that I'm, well, the book that I'm reading and talking about the languages that I'm learning and talking about Loki and some other stuff. So make sure that you check out that episode coming out on Saturday. Um, and if you are listening to this, that is referencing, if you're listening to this in the future, that's referencing Saturday, November 18th. Um, so millennials often worry they'll never retire. It turns out a lot are better situated than baby boomers. That's according to a Vanguard retirement readiness report that found older millennials across most incomes are on track to retire with a closer level of income to spending needs than both Gen X and late baby boomers. This is from a Bloomberg article by Suzanne Woolley. That's W-O-O-L-L-E-Y. Millennials are facing higher education, housing, and healthcare costs and are less likely to enjoy the same level of social security benefits and income from a pension. And just remember, a pension doesn't necessarily mean a pension. A 401k plan is a pension plan. Most of the times when you think about pension plans, you think of that old, if you're working for the government and they pay you uh, like something for the rest of your life because you worked for them and you didn't have to put anything in to it except for the work that you put into the business. Um, but 401ks are also a pension plan. Um, but that being said, uh, let's see, millennials are facing higher education, housing, and health care. 
same level of social security benefits and income from a pension, but changes in the way the retirement funds are drawn and invested are putting millennials between the ages of 37 to 41 on track for a more comfortable retirement as measured by the Vanguard group. I should not have said the millennials are from 37 to 40. Those are the older millennials. People under 37 are still considered millennials. I don't know what the, the lowest cap age is, but this is referring to those older millennials at 37 to 41. The investment management company gauges retirement readiness by comparing projected income against expected spending, both as a percentage of pre-retirement income. For example, in the 70th percentile of wage earners, those making a median income of 61000 workers are estimated to need about 68% of their annual salary once they retire, but only millennials in that income bracket were close to meeting the projected level of necessary income. They are on track to have a sustainable replacement rate, as Vanguard calls it, of 66%. Meanwhile, late baby boomers, those ages 61 to 65, had a rate of 51%, and Gen Xers had a rate of 53%. Vanguard attributes millennials' brighter outlook to changes in the retirement industry, including a push to automatically enroll workers on Plans, default more workers into defined contribution plans at 5%, automatically increase the percentage of pre-tax salary deferred each year, and make diversified target date funds widely available. So should you be a part of your 401k or your pension plan? Probably, and you should probably have a retirement plan in place. I have a little bit of differences of opinions. Um, this is not necessarily saying this is financial advice, but it's not financial advice that would work for every single person. You should be saving. You should be investing. If you want to get into a 401k, there is nothing wrong with that. They do match you. You will get better benefits if your goal is just to retire and not have. The problem with the 401k is they're just funds that you put the money into. Um, and the goal is that the company is going to match you. So that's part of missing money that you're missing out on if you otherwise didn't weren't a part of that 401k plan. So it can be very beneficial to be in a 401k plan for things that are just focused solely on retirement. I think something like an index universal life insurance policy may work for some people and it has a life insurance piece attached to it. Should you have term life insurance outside of that? Probably. Um, but it, you would need to talk to one of our wealth protection specialists in in my link tree for the episode description. You can go, you can get in contact with mine and coach CJV's wealth protection team. You can join our insurance team if you want to learn how to make extra money, but that may not work for every single person. A 401 might work for you. What's important is that you're educating yourself on all of the options, all the things that you could be a part of. I had a 401k when I was in the bank. I have a traditional IRA now. I have a regular brokerage account. I have a Roth IRA account and I buy silver and gold. I have um, index universal life insurance um, that I'm working on getting set up. I have diabetes and it's a little bit more difficult for me because of a probably my weight, my diabetes and things of that nature. Um, uh, it, but it's really great to have that because of the fact that you can borrow against it. If you have a trust or if you have children, you should get an index universal life insurance policy on them as soon as possible. So you can put that money into the, um, into, uh, into a trust if they pass away, um, or if they want to borrow money in the future, you can borrow against the equity that's inside of that index universal policy, the cash value of it without having to pay taxes on those capital gains when you borrow against it. So there are lots of benefits, but that doesn't mean that it works for everybody. And like I said, I have a traditional IRA. I have a Roth IRA. I, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, a Roth IRA. I have a silver and gold, physical silver and gold. I have a specific, a, a, a brokerage account. I have a Coinbase account. I have a crypto.com account. I have an engine wallet. I have a MetaMask wallet. I have 
money tied up in all the businesses that, that we have. And so there are lots of things that go into the overall plan. One of the things that I don't, I do not like about the way in which we talk about retirement is that we believe that if we are going into retirement and we stop working, that that is the stopping of the making of money. I consistently tell this to people that we coach. I consistently tell this to anybody that I advise, that I talk to for taxes. Whether you have a business or you're a person, you should have as many forms of income coming into you. I'm not talking about like just income that you don't have to work for. All income you have to work for to some extent. Sometimes you have to work a lot more for it before it can get going. Sometimes you have to work on it all the time. Some of it may just be a rental property that brings an income, but you should always be focusing on somewhere between eight and 10 revenue streams. Whether you have a business, you personally, if you have a business, you should have eight to 10. Personally, you should have eight to 10. The more that we get out of this mindset that money is just from our career, I think that the Wayne Enterprises was the best way to look at it. And, And this is just from the movie. Um, from the Dark Knight, so uh, or Batman Begins, and so Wayne had Wayne was a doctor. So Bruce Wayne's father, um, I for blank on his name right now. Bruce Wayne's father, anyway, Bruce Wayne's father <laughs> was a doctor. He worked, I believe, in the hospital. I don't think he had a private practice. I think he worked in the hospital. Maybe he had a private practice, but that was his career. Then he had investments. He had other forms of income coming in. He sat on boards on the city boards on the state. That's the mindset that we have to have. You can go to college, do your career, take that money, learn about finance and investing and have your career, the thing that you're passionate about, the thing that you like doing. Like I love academia. If someone said, Hey, Jeremy, you can go and teach kids all day at community college or at a college about finance or about music or about um, develop, uh, philosophy or religion or um, maybe not software development, but philosophy, religion, anthropology, things of that, that nature. I love the humanities. I love that stuff. I would love to teach, talk about those things. I could do that as my regular job and then have my money, invest in things, do other things on the side and have all this money coming in. That is the, and, and then sit on boards, um, sit on student, uh, it's not student councils, but board for the school. There's that we have to get out of this mindset that we have one job, one path, we work on it, we retire, and then we die. There are so many opportunities available to you. And I think the thing that I am proud of is I don't, I, I mean, I guess these automatic pushes, I think are fine. The, the, what Vanguard says in here, that they push people to automatically enroll in the worker plans. I, that's a little bit of it, which is kind of, there's an automatic, I would be pissed off if someone automatically enrolled me in a worker plan, but that's just me. But I think it's more because millennials see the problems that their father, their parents had. They're seeing the problems that the Gen Xers are having, raising their um, you know, their children that are coming to the world. Because the millennials are the children of the baby boomers, the Zennials are the or the Gen Zers are the children of the Gen Xers, and I think ours are the alphas. And so, and when I'm saying ours, I mean millennials. I think they're seeing all those problems and saying, I need to get my shit together. I need to understand finance better. They're probably more open to stuff because they grew up more progressively, in my opinion, than the Gen Xers or the baby boomers. Um, and then they're seeing the progressiveness of their children and their, you know, their the Gen Xers children, right, that are in their 18, 19, 20-year-olds now. And so I think that they're seeing all of that and they're saying, okay, we 
really need to understand this because I don't want to work until I'm dead. Like I'm seeing my parents and maybe the Gen Xers doing. And so I think that that's one of the other reasons why we're having it um, happen. And we have so much more access to information now that it's easier now to educate yourself on finances and investing because we can go and literally do it at a click of a button on Google. And there is so much free information out in the world on the internet and free information out in the world at the library as well. So uh, I'm really excited to see where we're going with millennials. And I encourage you, whether you're a Gen Xer, a baby boomer, a millennial, a zennial, a zenner, uh, alpha, that you go and you educate yourself on finance and investing. It takes just a little bit of time, a little bit of understanding, a little bit of working at it. And you too then can make the proper investment decisions so you can set yourself up for the future. And remember, it can be more than one source of income. You have to have investments. You have to have side businesses. You have to have these things that you build. And then eventually you can have multiple streams of income and you will never have to worry about anything. And retirement will be right back after these messages. Artificial intelligence is becoming something that is a buzzword this year. If you remember last year, I think a buzzword was metaverse. The year before that was cryptocurrencies or non-fungible tokens. And so I think that the, the main buzzword is going to be artificial intelligence. And I think that artificial intelligence is going to take a lot of jobs. But I also think that it's going to create a lot of jobs because more and more companies are going to need people that understand artificial intelligence. They're going to need more and more people to be able to do the artificial intelligence programming. They're going to create so many, many more jobs um, with it than it's going to take away from it. And so I think that it's really important that we as a society, as these things come out, um, stay more progressive in the fact that we're learning about these new technologies and we're staying up to industry trends. Especially if we're entrepreneurs, we really need to be focusing on staying up with industry trends because as these trends grow, they might be something that can definitely benefit our business. One, and two, we might see something that is an unmet need. And the key to being a very successful entrepreneur is being able to to find solutions to unmet needs that are existing inside of a marketplace. That is the true, that is a true entrepreneur. And I talked about this on my last podcast about entrepreneur equals inventor. Um, it also equals innovator. And so I think it's really important that we're staying up to um, these types of industry trends that are happening. And one of those is artificial intelligence. And so Microsoft has a fantastic um, news blog. Um, it's called The Source. Um, so if you go to news.microsoft.com, you can find all kinds of great uh, information and articles. And the one that I want to talk about today are some of the terms that you should know when it comes to artificial intelligence. And this is from a blog post from Susanna Ray called 10 AI Terms Everyone Should Know. Um, and so I just want to, to talk a little bit about this um, because I think artificial intelligence has some so it has some misunderstanding because especially if you grew up when I grew up, uh, Terminator 2 was a really big movie and um, there is artificial intelligence or Terminator. Um, people think of that as artificial intelligence. And I think that we need to be careful with artificial intelligence, but we need to understand it and we need to make it into our lives. And there's all kinds of amazing things when it comes to artificial intelligence. And I'm this might sound very um, sacrilegious, but it's our ability to be God and how exciting is that, I guess? I, I know that sounds maybe a little, you know, sacrilegious, but that's the truth. Um, so artificial intelligence is the intelligence of machines or software. 
as opposed to the intelligence of humans or animals. It's also the field of study in computer science that develops and studies intelligent machines. AI may also refer to the machines themselves. Uh, AI technology is widely used throughout the industry, government, and science. Some high-profile applications are advanced web search engines, such as Google Search, recommendation systems used by YouTube, Amazon, and Netflix. Um, AI is used to understand human speech, such as Siri and Alexa. Um, Waymo uses artificial intelligence for their self-driving cars. Generative or creative tools, such as ChatGPT, which is what we are starting to really think of as AI, as generative AI, such as ChatGPT and AI art. And then the competing at the highest level in strategy games, such as Chess and Go, which we can get from uh, Google's AlphaGo project that I think is called AlphaGo. I don't know if it's still in existence anymore. In fact, I'm going to look just right now because I would love to um, know more about I think it was called AlphaGo. Um, yes. Let's see if it's still uh, AlphaGo Google DeepMind. Let's see if it's still in. Yeah. AlphaGo is still in existence. Google DeepMind build AI responsibility responsibly to benefit humanity. AI has the potential to be one of the most important and beneficial technologies ever in vented. Um, so this could be a great resource for people. If you go to deepmind.google, they have um, some resources as it relates to artificial intelligence. And this would be a great place for you to go and do some research and search for it on your own. Um, and so so that's kind of like the concept of AI. Generative AI, I think is really important. Um, so generative artificial intelligence is artificial intelligence capable of generating text images or other images using generative modes. So generative AI models learn the patterns and structure of their input training data and generate new data that has similar characteristics. So if you're using uh, Google Bard or ChatGPT or Copilot by Microsoft, those are generative AI um, uh, bots, I guess, or programs. And so, so those are some of the best places to start. But let's talk about some of the terms that you should know. Um, so the term AI has been used in computer science since the 1950s, but most people outside the industry didn't start talking about it until the end of 2022. That's because recent advances in machine learning led to big breakthroughs that are beginning to have a profound impact on nearly every aspect of our lives. We are here to help break down some of the buzzwords so you can better understand AI terms and be part of the global conversation. Or in this case, I'm here to read an article of people that are focused on breaking down the buzzword so you can better understand AI terms. So let's talk about artificial intelligence. I just gave you kind of a base, but the way that Microsoft puts it in this 10 AI terms, artificial intelligence is basically a super smart computer system that can imitate humans in some ways, like comprehending what people say, making decisions, translating between languages, analyzing if something is negative or positive, and even learning from experience. It's artificial in that its intellect was created by humans using technology. Sometimes people say AI systems have digital brains, but they're not physical machines or robots. They're programs that run on computers. They work by putting a vast collection of data through algorithms, which are sets of instructions to create models that can automate tasks that typically typically require human intelligence and time. Sometimes people specifically engage with an AI system, like asking Bing chat for help with something, which is a co-pilot, I think is where they're going with that. Um, but more often than a, but more often the artificial intelligence is happening in the background all around us, suggesting words as we type, recommending songs and playlists, and providing more relevant information based on our preferences. Okay, so that's the first word, artificial intelligence. Machine learning is another word that you need to know. 
If artificial intelligence is the goal, machine learning is how we get there. It's a field of computer science under the umbrella of AI where people teach a computer system how to do something by training it to identify patterns and make predictions based on them. Data is run through algorithms over and over with different input and feedback every time to help the system learn and improve during the training process, like practicing piano scales 10 million times in order to sight read music going forward. It's especially helpful with problems that would otherwise be difficult or impossible to solve using traditional programmed mean techniques, such as recognizing images and translating languages. It takes a huge amount of data, and that's something we've only been able to harness in recent years as more information has been digitized and as computer hardware has become faster, smaller, more powerful, and better able to process all of that information. That's why large language models that use machine learning, such as Bing Chat or Copilot and ChatGPT, have suddenly arrived on the scene because we didn't have the ability to house all of that data and go through that data and now we can, and that's why we're able to see these, these artificial intelligences progress or the machine learning progress, okay? So one of the other words that you need to learn is language learning models. Sometimes it's LLMs. So large language learning models or LLMs use machine learning techniques to help them process language so they can mimic the way humans communicate. They're based on neural networks or what are called NNs, which are computing systems inspired by the human brain sort of like a bunch of nodes and connections that simulate neurons and synapses. They are trained on a mass amount of text to learn patterns and relationships in language that help them use human words. Their problem-solving capabilities can be used to translate languages, answer questions in the form of a chatbot, summarize text, and even write stories, poems, and computer code. They don't have thoughts or feelings, but sometimes they sound like they do because they've learned patterns that help them respond the way a human might. They're often fine-tuned by developers using a process called reinforcement learning from human feedback, or RLHF, to help them sound more conversational. Okay, so those are language learning models. And then there's generative AI, which I talked about a minute ago. Generative AI, again, leverages the power of large language models to make new things, not just regurgitate or provide information about existing things. It learns patterns and structures and then generates something that's similar but new. It can make things like pictures, music, text, videos, and code. It can be used to create art, write stories, design products, and even help doctors with administrative tasks. But it can also be used by bad actors to create fake news or pictures that look like photographs but aren't real. So tech companies are working on ways to clearly identify AI-generated content. Okay, so another word that's popular in uh, artificial intelligence are hallucinations. So generative AI systems can create stories, poems, and songs, but sometimes we want results to be based in truth. Since these systems can't tell the difference between what's real and fake, they can give an inaccurate responses. They can give inaccurate responses that developers refer to as hallucinations or the more accurate term fabrications. Much like if someone saw what looked like the outlines of a face on the moon and began saying there was an actual man in the moon. Developers try to resolve these issues through what's called grounding, which is when they provide an AI system with additional information from a trusted source to improve accuracy and a specific topic. Sometimes a system's predictions are wrong, too, so if a model doesn't have current information after it is trained. So when we get information from generative AI that's not correct, those are called hallucinations, okay? Uh, 
Then there's responsible AI, which is a term that you should all know. So responsible AI guides people as they try to design systems that are safe and fair at every level, including machine learning model, the software, the user interface, and the rules and restrictions put in place to access an application. It's a crucial element because these systems are often tasked with helping make important decisions about people, such as in education and healthcare. But since they're created by humans and trained on data from an imperfect world, they can reflect they can reflect any inherent biases. A big part of responsible AI requires understanding that data that was used to train the systems and then finding ways to mitigate any shortcomings to help better reflect society at large, not just in certain groups of people. So essentially with responsible AI, we have biases in what we do just based off of who we are. And so responsible AI is making sure that those biases don't end up inside of the artificial intelligence as it's being used. Right. And so I think that that's really important because I'm, one of the things that worries me specifically with AI is the information overload that will go out there and the fact that a lot of information can be wrong. It can be fabricated. There can be the hallucinations and it's our, and then there's the biases that exist inside of that information that's being utilized for the AI to use. And so I think that this is really important and we need to have more understanding and more knowledge, more research on having responsible artificial intelligence because it will be super important for us moving forward. So I just wanted to add that piece in there. Um, so number seven, the seventh term that you need to know is multimodal models. A multimodal model can work with different types or modes of data simultaneously. It can look at pictures, listen to sounds, and read words. It's the ultimate multitasker. It can combine all this information to do things like answer questions about images. Um, so, so that's a multimodal models are really important because again, you can use data simultaneously, and that's really important, especially for the artificial intelligence to be as fast as it is, I guess would be uh, another good thing to look at that word. Um, Then there's prompts. So the eighth word that you need to know is prompts. A prompt is an instruction entered into a system in language, images, or code that tells the AI what tasks to perform. So uh, engineers and really all of us who interact with AI systems must carefully design prompts to get the desired outcome from the large language models. It's like placing your order at a deli counter. You don't just ask for a sandwich, but you specify which bread you want and the type of amounts of condiments, vegetables, cheese, and meat to get a lunch that you'll find delicious and nutritious. Um, So a prompt, again, is an instruction entered into a system in language, images, or code that tells the AI what task to perform. So if you're talking in AI and you're like, want to know what the person put in, you would say, hey, so what prompts did you use? That would be a way to utilize that word. All right, so co-pilots, and this is where Microsoft gets into it. So a co-pilot is like a personal assistant that works alongside you in all sorts of digital applications, helping with things like writing, coding, summarizing, and searching. It can also help you make decisions and understand lots of data. The recent development of large language models made co-pilots possible, allowing them to comprehend natural human language and provide answers, create content, or take action as you work within different computer programs. Co-pilots are built with responsibility AR guardrails to make sure they're safe and secure and are used in a good way, just like a co-pilot in an airplane. It's not in charge. You are, but it's a tool that can help you be more productive and efficient. And this is something that I think Microsoft has done really, really well. I haven't signed up for their full co-pilot yet. Um, I think it's $30 a month for the business version of it. 
Um, but that is something that I'm going to be buying. Uh, I recommend that you do it too, or that you spend some time with Google Bard. I like Google's name the best, Bard, because it reminds me of Dungeons and Dragons, but I think Copilot is really good. The other thing about Bard is I don't think it's a separate app yet. Um, uh, the one thing I do like about Copilot is it's built inside of Edge. So you, if you don't have the paid version, you can still use Copilot. So if you're using Microsoft Edge, at the top, it says uh, Copilot, and then you can click that, and it gives you the ability to look at, uh, to uh, um, uh, utilize their Bing Chat Enterprise or their Copilot, and you can ask questions. Uh, and again, I think that there's a version of it that comes with regular Microsoft Office, but I'm not 100% sure on that, so don't quote me. Just check out Copilot, get a subscription, utilize it, be, make it your best friend, understand how it works because it will benefit you. And too, if you're a content creator, it's great. Like I can go to Bing right now and say, hey, give me an idea. Um, what is a trending business episode topic for a podcast? Let's see what it put. So it's recording your personal and company data are protected in this chat. It is saying search. Okay, so sure. Here are some trending business uh, episode topics for podcasts. The future of work, entrepreneurship, sustainability, innovation, leadership, marketing, uh, finance. The reason why the co-pilot is so important and so great and why I like generative AI is because it's like a personal assistant for searching stuff. And so as more as data gets more advanced and more in-depth and systems get and and we collect more and more, and we archive more and more, but we get more of it on the internet, we can utilize stuff like Copilot and AI to go and search how to and go and get that information for us a lot easier. And that is one of the reasons why I love it because it makes things like content creation easier to find some of the topics. And then if you put the work in also, you will get a pretty good product. It's like having your own assistant. Um, and I think that that is just, I think that that's fantastic. And I don't want you to miss out on that. So make sure that you check out some of these uh, generative AIs that exist. Google Bar, ChatGPT. ChatGPT you can get as an app on your phone. It works pretty good. Um, uh, oh, Bing, like I said, the Copilot is built into Microsoft Edge. And so if you have Bing on your phone or you have Bing Search, there is a uh, Copilot integrated into that that works really really well then the last the last ai term that you need to know is plugins so plugins are a bit like when you add apps to your smartphone they step into spill uh fill specific and neat sorry i hit the i hit a button i thought that i stopped the recording okay so plugins are a bit like when you add apps to your smartphone so they step in to fill specific needs that might pop up enabling ai applications to do more things without having to modify the underlying model they are what allow co-pilots to interact with other software and services. For example, um, they can help AI systems access new information, do complicated math, or talk to other programs. They make AI systems more powerful by connecting them to the rest of the digital world. So those are the 10 AI terms that you should probably know to get you started. Um, so there is machine, I'm sorry, there is artificial intelligence. There is machine learning. There are large language models. There are generative AI. There are five, number five is hallucinations. There's not five hallucinations. There's responsible artificial intelligence. The seventh word is multimodal models. The eighth word are prompts. The ninth is co-pilots. And the 10th word is plugins. So if you go to that and you go to this, the 10 AI terms article that I post in the episode description and you memorize that stuff, you will probably be further ahead than most people in the world understanding some of the basic AI concepts. And so the other thing that you can do, um, I love LinkedIn learning. If you head on over to LinkedIn learning and you just type in artificial intelligence, 
um, LinkedIn Learning's owned by or LinkedIn's owned by um, Microsoft. And so, so what we want to do is hold on, you go. Intelligence LinkedIn learning courses. Okay. So um, if you go, you can look, go to LinkedIn and you can type in um, LinkedIn uh, artificial intelligent courses. And they have all kinds of uh, courses for artificial intelligence. In fact, for a while, they were like giving a discount to a lot of them. So there's introduction to artificial intelligence. There's getting started with AI and machine learning. There is something called what is generative AI. There's artificial intelligence foundations. There's becoming an AI first product leader. There's what is AI. So AI is this big industry trend right now that we all need to be a part of. Whether or not all of this stuff stays and it kind of wraps itself up and and, and then progresses to another stage and then blows up again and progresses to another stage and then blows up again. Artificial intelligence is not going away. I think one of the, 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 the article made a great point. One of the reasons why we're able to see more of it now is because we can handle such large amounts of data that the, the programs can run through to learn what they need to run through now. And so we are getting into a, a much better place with artificial intelligence and artificial intelligence. If it's used for good, it can benefit our lives. And I don't want you guys to be left behind, whether in the workforce or if you're an entrepreneur or you're an entrepreneur or whatever the case is, learn about these stuff, stay up with industry trends, learn to love learning and learn this stuff as much as you possibly can. You can also go to something like MITx Pro. I think, let me see, this is, this is MIT um, Professional for a class for right here, $2,832. They have designing and building AI products and services. So these are the things that you need to learn and go and educate yourself on to stay at the forefront of these and I hate to say it again because I feel like I'm saying a lot of these industry trends that are happening. And then you can learn how to integrate them into your business, one. Two, you can find pain points that need to be solved inside of them. And those are great opportunities. And that's where entrepreneurs shine is finding a problem, finding a solution, bringing it to market, and making it a product, brand, or business. As I always say, remember, be thankful, grateful, and kind. And we will talk with you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this age of Jeremy. Please make sure to like and subscribe to this episode. If your podcatcher allows you to, please make sure to give it a five star rating or just rate it whatever you really think that it is, because either way, it will be beneficial for me to know so that I can make it better or keep it where it's at. Probably continue to make it better because that's just what I'm going to do. The opening song was Brave Faces Everyone by Spanish Love Songs. The closing song was Illuminati Hotties Threatening Each Other Recapitalism. I record on Neumann microphones. I use a Zoom L8 um, uh, recorder. I use Steinberg's Cubase and I use Waves plugins. One last time, be thankful, grateful, and kind. We'll talk with you next time. Bye.